Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of entrepreneurs. And I've got someone who's listened to my interviews who I've now known for years because of the interviews. And I've been following so closely because he's an independent developer who said, I don't like working as a software engineer for another company. I'm going to go and just do indie but I'm also going to share every step of the way. And so we've seen him, every one of us who's been following him on Twitter, come up with an idea, build it, do okay, come up with another idea. And then this latest one did phenomenal. It's called SiteGPT. And the idea here is if if you want to add ChatGPT to your site so that your readers, your audience, your customers can ask questions of your site the way that they can ask questions of the, the whole universe on ChatGPT, you can add it. No problem. That's what it's about. And I'm happy to have the founder of it. His name is Banu Teja P. And Banu, good to have you here. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Cool. And I should say we have two sponsors. First is Lemon.io for hiring developers. And the second is me. I've been told, hey, you're not promoting your book enough. So I'll talk about my book, Stop Asking Questions, the definitive guide to interviewing. Banu, what's the revenue right now? How much are you doing per month? Just for side GPT, it's around uh, 13 to 15,000. Feather, it's another 5,000. And Feather, we'll talk a little bit about. That's your sister site that basically allows people to build websites using Notion and more like blogging content sites, yeah. right? Correct. What are your expenses? If it's thirteen to 15,000 in revenue, how much are you paying to keep the site going? Uh, it's around uh, four, four to 5,000 uh, dollars, yeah. On what? Hosting, and I have also started doing some marketing, like uh, creating educational videos, things like that. Overall, it comes down to around... Uh, 5,000. Last month, uh, I paused uh, 4,000. How much of it is you paying OpenAI for their APIs? It's not a lot, actually. It's around $1,000. And when you weren't spending money on promotion, what were your expenses overall? I, I think it's around, say, maybe uh, two or $3,000 per month. So I have uh, a huge hosting bills. Uh, so yeah, two to $3,000 of... Uh, expenses. You had a software engineering job. What was the problem with that? Why did you decide you wanted to leave? Yeah, so my main problem was, yeah, I did not feel like uh, I was uh, having any kind of uh, impact. Like I mentioned, if I don't go to the job one day, nothing will happen to the company. That is a very large thing. I don't matter there. I did not want to spend uh, I stopped my life there. Yeah, I wanted to do something. Like I decided this is what I wanted to do. And yeah, it took three years uh, to get to some good stage. Yeah, you quit your job before you were making your first dollar. I always assumed that you had some kind of side revenue already coming in from side projects, but no. No, no. I even uh, didn't have a proper idea before I quit. How did you live day to day? How did you pay expenses? I did freelancing for about uh, two to three months and I, I earned money that is lasting for two years. What's the first idea that you tried before SiteGPT? First idea, Feather was not called Feather at first. It was called something called MDX.1. That is also a notion-based blogging platform. So that is what I tried. During, after I quit my job, I started blogging everywhere. I started blogging on Hashnode. And I met uh, other bloggers. Uh. So yeah, that's when I tried to solve my own problem uh, and uh, created a blogging platform where I already, I write everything on Notion. So I thought, why not uh, use the existing content on Notion to create a blog? So that's how 
MDX.1 got started, but I had to shut it down because of my hosting bill. So I only had 25 paying customers, but hosting went to, in one of the months, it went to 10,000 posts. So I shut it down and tried to figure out, like I rebuilt the entire thing, changed the infrastructure and everything. And then, and then the new product is so different from MDX1. I rebranded it to Feather. And uh, yeah, this time that became a hit. So previously MDX1, it was making a $250 MRR. And Feather, yeah, it quickly grew to 5,000 MRR. And it, it was exactly the same idea, but just a different branding and, and a different level of, what do you say? Different level of knowledge that I have when I launched this. But the idea was exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? The name MDX1 was so confusing and Feather yeah. is just so much more appealing. It feels like what you're trying to communicate, which is here's this light blogging platform. What where'd you come up with the name? How did you realize that you needed to get rid of the other one? Yeah, when you Google MDX, you'll get a lot of things. There is a crypto coin called MDX. There is some uh, some bike called MDX. So there are a lot of things. So yeah, people really started to get confused. So Feather, I just asked on Twitter, I'm rebranding it, what should I do? And many people suggested it, and Feather is the one that I like. Like, I just crowdsourced the name selection. Yeah, you are so good about telling people what you're doing. I'm going to try this, I'm trying that, I'm struggling with this other thing. And so when you go in and say, give me some advice, you get some good advice. What about the pricing or the expenses? How were you able to change your expenses when they were so painful before? So I changed the cloud provider. So previously I, I was using a different cloud provider, which was very expensive for the amount of traffic I'm getting from free users. Uh, in Feather, I, I shifted everything to Cloudflare and it was very, very cheap. And I also removed the free plan entirely so that uh, every user uh, who uses the platform pays for the platform. So yeah, I changed these two I things see. and uh, it was uh, profitable after that. I do remember when you launched it, there was this feeling for people who are using Notion that they're living in Notion. And frankly, I'm one of those people too now. I have Notion right now here with my notes on our conversation. I always have my to-do list in another Notion window that's always open on this dedicated device on my left. And if you're living in it and you're writing in it, it starts to feel like a clunky experience to go from that to WordPress or to these other platforms. And so you're one of the people who said, whatever people are doing in Notion, I'm going to create a customized solution for it. There are a few others who are doing it for websites, said, why should creating a website be as hard as it is? And there was Potion that was doing it, turning Notion pages into websites. There was Super and there were others. All right. So this idea was doing okay. Where did you get the idea for SiteGPT? which is doing better yeah, than okay. I, again, uh, it, it came from Feather. So I, I think in January, February of this year, uh, my Twitter timeline is completely filled with uh, AI content. Uh, everyone, every new thing uh, pops up. And uh, I thought, how can I use AI to help my Feather customers? Uh, everyone has a blog. Uh, so I thought, why not uh, create an AI chatbot that, can, that people can use uh, to talk with their blogs? Uh, yeah, that's how it started. And then uh, once I started building it, I released the market is much more huge. I don't, I didn't want to limit it to just feather customers. Anyone who has a website can make use of it. Yeah, again, instead of launching it as a feature of feather, I launched it as a completely separate product. And uh, yeah, surprisingly, it did very well. 
How long did it take you to build the first version? Uh, I think that's three, three to four weeks, I think. I do remember seeing all those different AI tweets and people talking about it. Dave Roganmoser said that he looked and he saw people do such wasteful stuff with it. Turn the in the constant the what was it the Constitution I think into Elvish or something like that. And he said, "Wait, this is waste of great computer power." <coughs> and so he created Jasper, which was for writers. And I could see that you did the same thing. Did you talk to customers before you built the first version of SiteGPT? No, no, no. So this was always meant to be just a side project. My main project was Feather at that time. So this was just like a weekend project I did on the weekends and yeah, sometimes nights. And yeah, I did not have any expectations that would that this would even generate revenue. But I just thought this would be a good way for me to learn about AI, to try out the new tech and see what I can do with it. But yeah, surprisingly, yeah, like I said, it did that. It could not have gone any better than I did. So you launch it in a weekend. Uh, you build it over a weekend. You launch it Monday. What are the features that you had in the first version? So first version, you just enter a website link and a chatbot will get created based on the content on your website. So that is the only thing I had at the time. What are some of the tools that you use to build that? I'm trying to get a sense of how you can build something like that using what already exists. So the main thing is OpenAI's API. So that is the core of how this works. And other than that, I use something called Pinecone for, for basically storing this content in a format that AI understands. And yeah, Pinecone, and then I host everything on Cloudflare Workers. Yeah, these are the main things that I use. Pinecone, Cloudflare Workers, and OpenAI API. These are what the about design? Things. Design, yeah. I, I hired a freelancer when I was working on Feather. I hired the same person to do this. Uh. I see, see. And what did you need them to design for you? The chat window and the sales page? Yeah. I told them, uh, yeah, it, did not, it uh, need not be any good. This is just a side project. Uh. I will launch it and see. Yeah. And uh, yeah, even now the landing page is just exactly how it was when I launched it. Uh. I just added a new demo video right now. But yeah, at the launch time, there was not even a demo present because I did not have any questions. Tell me about free versus paid. Yeah, so yeah, when I launched MDH, I realized that I don't have the expertise to convert free users to paid users. I'm not good at that. So yeah, I stick to paid, paid only after that. Like even in Feather, there is no free plan. Even inside JPC, there is no free plan. So I'm willing to show everything, get on a call and show demos. But yeah, I decided that I don't want to have a free plan because I, I just don't know what to do with that. That Monday when you launched it, do you remember how many sales you got? Yeah, it, it was, it, I think in the first two to three days, I went to 750, 780 MRM. Previously, that took, in Southern, it took, uh, I think, uh, many months uh, in MDX, I did not even go there. So yeah, it, it reached 1,000 MR pretty quickly and 10,000 MR in just one month. Yeah, it, yeah, the first one or two weeks, it was crazy. I had to fix a lot of bugs, improve a lot of things. Yeah, I still fear about the first week. Here's what I took away from that experience watching it. You launched something in AI 
at a time when everyone was so curious about AI that they were willing to just go and install and try anything because it all seemed like magic and the future and they were willing to pay for magic and they were willing to pay to get the future today. And so you are one of many products that people tried out. That was my sense of it. Am I picking up on that? Yeah, 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 you're exactly right. The first month, the next months are not exactly same as the first month. So yeah, that is definitely a thing where people wanted to try out what it is. Because so previously when you had to create a chatbot, you have to spend so much time. You have to generate a lot of responses. You have to do workflow things, a lot of things. It, it took a lot of time. But here it was, yeah, we just had a website link and yeah, I can answer anything. It's definitely like magic when it got released. No people are used to it, but at that time they were willing to try it even if they have to pay for it. And then the other thing was you built a business tool. People are willing to pay money for a business tool. They may not be willing to pay even if they're curious, if it's just a consumer thing. And so that was a combination that helped. Yeah, true. Did you try any other side projects before that didn't work? I don't think I tried. So uh, when I quit my job, I partnered with uh, someone else to work on an educational platform. It was his idea, his vision. And after we tried for one year, it did not go anywhere. So yeah, we call it quits and we went our separate ways. And then after that, I did three months of freelancing to build up two years runway and then yeah, after that, my first project was, my first solo project was MDX1. And yeah, MDX1 later became Feather. One of the features of Feather later became scientific. What did you learn from the project that didn't work out, the one with your partner? Yeah, for me, the main thing, if it did not come from my head, I can't uh, work on it. Like, I need to feel like what I am doing matters to me, even if it didn't matter to other people. So I think that that's the main problem with that because it was not my vision. It was not my idea. It was not something I wanted to build up. So yeah, that's the main thing right now. So I only work on things that I'm willing to work on and something that comes out of my head. Something that you personally need, that you personally want. Yeah. If you want a good blogging tool, you want to build it for yourself. And if others want, great. But if you don't need it and others want it, you're not as interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something along the lines of that, yes. All right, I should say my first sponsor is me. I've been told by others I'm not promoting my book enough, and so I'm going to tell you, I did write a book on interviewing based on my experience having done over 2,000 interviews. One of the things that I did years ago was whenever there was a technique that worked for me, i just write it down in a Google Doc and name it so that I knew what it was, and then I'd come back to it and use it again, and if, I, and if it worked out, I would add a, a, an example for my transcripts of how it worked. And then eventually I gave that to my producers so that they could do pre-interviews. And then I started sharing it with other interviewees who wanted to do their own interviews. And I wrote a book called Stop Asking Questions. And it's just full of techniques that I've used. And I should tell you, Banu, these techniques, a friend of mine said, this is great for interviews, but I'd just love my kid to talk to me more and tell me more. I've used this on my kids. My kids are younger. They're driving home. I'm driving them home. And they won't tell me about their day. And I've heard my wife and other parents complain about it. But I just pull out a couple of techniques. Here's a good one that I use. I will use an intentional thing. I will be intentional about asking them about something that I know they didn't do today. So instead of saying, what'd you do today? Which will get me a ho-hum. I might say, so how was Spanish class today? I go, I didn't have Spanish class today. Don't you know that happens every Monday? Today was, and then they go into the thing that they really <laughs> did. I just don't think that 
kids are trying to hide what went on in their day. It's just so much happened. How do you even think of and latch on to one thought and one experience to share with your parents? You need these little prods. I use them in my interviews. I use them in my conversations with friends, and I use them um, with my kids. If you're looking for uh, a way to have better conversations, go check out Stop Asking Questions. It's right on Amazon. All right. Um, You said when this first happened in the first month, this is doing great, but I'm really worried about the churn. Because you had a sense already of what did you think was going to happen and why? Yeah, so I, I thought that, that so these are uh, the people who who came to site GPT in the first month. So those are not the people who have needs for it. They just wanted to see. So at that time, uh, it was still very, I didn't even know that there were similar platforms, but yeah, it was still very new. And people who are in my Twitter circle, they didn't know any other similar things. So, so the people who came on the very first month, uh, they don't have a need for it. They just wanted to try it out to see what it was, how will it work on their own website. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if you don't have a need, why would you continue to pay for it? Yeah, I had around $5,000 of churn the next month. So almost half of that. And again, I, I have $5,000 of new customers. So it got balanced out. So yeah, yeah. now after uh, four or five months, now I'm starting to get the actual business customers out who actually have a need for it. But yeah, it, it, like like the first month, the customers who came, they were not actually the customers that, that are going to stay anyways. It was half of them that left. You got more, yeah. but half of the first customers just walked away. Yeah. Did you talk to customers about what they liked about SiteGPT? Did you ask them what they needed for bugs? Did you actually have conversations with them? I, I did not have conversations via phone. I just talked to them via chat and via email. And uh, yeah, I had talked to a few of them. I fixed uh, some of their bugs. But yeah, uh, a lot of people who left, like I said, they don't have a need for it. They did not even initiate any conversation. At that time, it was uh, still very new. I did not even have a feedback form now. So that users can give me feedback like why they are leaving. So now after uh, two or three months, I added a form where before canceling, they will give me a reason. Yeah, most of the time the reason is they don't need it and they have no use for it right now. They just wanted it for a month and yeah, they are going away. So these are the reasons that I get. And I assume that that is the same reason why the people, half of the people left in the first month. They just don't have a need for it. I see you're saying you're getting enough feedback already. You don't need to have detailed phone calls and spend time on that. Yeah, yeah, I tried to do it, but yeah, nobody would reply. For they, they paid ninety dollars and cancelled it immediately, and yeah, they won't. They did not reply when I asked them whether they wanted to get on a call. The only people who got on a call are people who got on a call, call before paying itself. Yeah, once they paid and they, they maybe they were just a single line saying the reason, but yeah, I could not convince any of them to can get on a call and tell me about uh, their experience talked about this on Twitter. I really feel that a lot of entrepreneurs will say, talk to your customers, but customers don't always want to talk to you. Like I might have an issue with the pasta sauce that we bought the other day, but if the pasta sauce maker contacted me and said, Andrew, can I talk to you about pasta? I go, no, I have other things going on. I don't want to do it. But my experience is that 
if you offer them service, then they are willing to get on a call. So for example, I signed up for Cast Magic, which is a podcast AI tool that will give me a transcript, which I get already from Descript, but fine, it's a good transcript. And then they will use AI to create tweets for me to use and headlines and so on. And truthfully, they're mostly bad. But sometimes just getting a bad version of something that you need sparks the thing that you really need to create. And so I'll look at that and I go, no, that's bad. That's a bad suggestion. That's a bad suggestion. And I go, that one's actually junky, but it should be this way. And I get fired up about how it should change and I, and I write something. Anyway, I signed up. The first time I used it, I just left it alone. And it wasn't until the founder messaged me and said, can I show you how to set this up? Or can I give, I forget the exact phrase, but he basically said, I will walk you through setting this up to get the results you want. And so I said, All right. and then through that, I think he was able to see what I gravitated towards and where I had problems with the software. And what I, where I had problems was they were giving me a lot of prompts that I didn't care about. I didn't need them to write a LinkedIn thing. And it was too, it was too formal. What I wanted was to be able to ask in my own way. And then he showed me how to ask in my way. And when he realized that I was expecting that I could talk to it, like I talked to ChatGPT and that wasn't working, I think something clicked for him. And so what I'm trying to say is he saw my yeah. problems by helping me set up his software. Yeah. So, yeah, I even similar things happen, right? So some people uh, respond. And when I said, I will, I will figure out what your problem is and fix it for you, they're willing to talk to me. Like I said, people who don't have a need for it. In your case, you actually have a need for it. So that's why you have responded to any. But if you don't have a need for it, why would you spend time to go on a call with them and tell them anything? So even the customers who have responded to my emails, to my suggestions on getting on a call, they are the people who have a need for it, but they didn't like what they have seen. And I was able to fix, the, fix that problem for them. But people who just wanted to see what it is, yeah, I don't think even if I send a very detailed personalized response, they, I don't think they will respond because they just don't need it. All right. I talked to you on Twitter space where I got together a few indie developers who are working in AI and I said, you're getting all your customers from Twitter. And you said, actually, no, that might've been the first week, but you're a little behind Andrew. How... What was the next thing that happened when Twitter started to die down as a source of customers for you? What's the next thing that picked up? So the one thing that is working even right now is so some of my customers are referring to their other friends, so their other founder friends, like a business signs up to my website. And again, after a few days, another business signs up on the website. When I asked them where they found me, they told me this other customer's name. And I saw that these large customers were. Uh, who are uh, paying uh, a lot of amount. Most of them are coming through reference. And uh, yeah, other than reference, my next biggest thing was Google. I get, I think, around 9,000 and 10,000 visits from Google. And uh, yeah, that is my next source. Uh, Twitter, right now it's just, I think, around maybe 20 or 25% of my traffic. Most of the traffic is Google and direct visits. Would you walk me through how you learn to work Google? Meaning you're not an SEO expert. You're not obsessing on this stuff, but you started to think about it. How did you start to think about it and what worked for you? Inside GPT, the main thing that worked is a lot of people were talking about it. They are linking to the website on their own blog posts, on their own directories, on their own websites. So that's how my websites are 
a domain authority went up high. Google recognized this as a, okay, this is a, a website that, that creates AI chatbots and other people are linking to it. So it must be something uh, uh, that is uh, good to show when uh, people do it. But other than that, uh, it was just uh, like people are uh, trying to find, uh, people are just searching for uh, this solution. They're, they're actually typing it, typing out like customer support GPT. And, and then uh, this shows up because it's just what I have on the landing page. Uh, I create a chartbot with your own website. So yeah, I did not do anything. I just started doing it right now. I started creating content. I started creating networks. But the traffic that I was getting until now, it's just because AI hype that was going on in the recent months. People are uh, actually just uh, looking for a website, the GPT, and uh, uh, my name coincided with the site GPT, and uh, they somehow land landing on it. What's the next thing that worked for you? So Twitter referrals that are just natural referrals, and then the next thing was Google. What else? I think that's that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, right <laughs> now, I'm, I'm I'm figuring it out, figuring out the next steps. Uh, so I started uh, hiring people to make uh, some YouTube videos, uh, and I'm writing uh, help content uh, to increase the conversion rate. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying out uh, various things, and uh, yeah, I really have to see how that goes. I'm surprised that your name, SiteGPT's name, being on other sites is not bringing in more customers. So that is helping helping the website rank on Google, but yeah, it is not a huge source of traffic for me because it is just, so I, I, I get mentioned on these AI directory websites, right? But yeah, it is just a very little amount of traffic because there are also other AI tools on those websites. All right, let me just say that my second sponsor is Lemon.io. Anyone out there looking to hire a developer, maybe to add some AI functionality to their tool, to their site, should go to Lemon.io because Lemon has phenomenal developers at great rates because, frankly, they source them from parts of the world where you don't have to pay developers that much, and those developers are happy to live at home instead of traveling and flying and moving over to the U.S. and to other places. So you get great developers, highly vetted by the Lemon team, matched to your needs by the Lemon team at a great price, and if you use my URL, it'll be even lower. It's Lemon.io slash Mixergy. Tell me a little bit about your life. Where did you grow up? I'm, I'm from India, so that's where uh, I grew up. And uh, I'm currently living in my hometown. When uh, you grew up, did you want to be an entrepreneur? Not actually. When I was in college, uh, yeah, that's when I tried to explore this. That's when I thought uh, maybe this is what uh, I wanted to do uh, when I was in college. Uh, but yeah, uh, when, uh, when I was in uh, school, yeah, this is uh, I, I did not have this in mind. What's the cost of living for you? So my salary was, uh, I think, around two thousand five hundred or three thousand dollars per month uh, when before I started this this journey, and even that is uh, like a very high salary here in India. So yeah, my cost of living was pretty low. What was it? Mine, I remember in Argentina was, except for if we took trips and we we would take them a lot, under two thousand a month to have phenomenal food, to have both an office, and to have rent overlooking the botanical garden and a lot of space, under $2,000 a month is all it costs me and my wife to live with our dog, which we traveled with uh, from the U.S., and our cat. And, and 
we weren't staying in and and eating. We were going out almost every day. Um, what was your cost of living, or what is it now? I live in my parents' house. I, I don't have any cost like everything I have is just uh, profit. Like it, it's uh, maybe maybe five hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars, something around that. You were living with your parents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was doing my job, I had to relocate to the company where it was saying it. But yeah, right now. I am living with my parents, and it's pretty common in India. I did that too when I started. You know what? A lot of my friends moved out, and I really wanted to move into Manhattan from Queens, where I grew up. I really wanted to live the life that they finally got to live. But I said, screw it. I'm going to stay in my parents' house, and it's not going to be comfortable, but I'm not going to have any expenses. I'm just going to focus on business exclusively and maybe like once a month go out, but I'm going to obsess, and it really helped. All right, one other thing I noticed— you're always available when I when I reach you. I always feel so guilty messaging you because it the hours don't align. What time is it right yeah. now? It's late. Yeah, yeah it's 10.40 p.m. 10.40 p.m. I really appreciate you doing this. Are you working U.S. hours? Is that why you're so available? So I, like I said, so this Indy life will have a lot of freedom, right? Like I don't have a set time now. I think I need to have that time for my health, but I just uh, sleep when I want. I just wake up when I want. I don't have a set time. I can I can do whatever I want. So, so you uh, might just work all through the night some days and then sleep. I I don't need time. Maybe I can sleep after this call, or maybe I I can sleep after seven hours. I I don't have any time. I just I just do things when I wake up and yeah. All right. I'll close it out with this. What's the best part of having done all this? I mean, you clearly are not at the finish line, but you're building. Things are going well. What's the best part of all this? Yeah, the best part is, I should say, the freedom you get with this, right? Like, I don't have to answer to anyone. I can, so the more I work, the more beneficial it will be for me. But when I was working in a nine-to-five job, it won't matter how much time I work. Yeah, it doesn't matter now. I can choose how little to work or how high to work. So the more I work, it, it will be a more better for me. And even if I don't do that, uh, there is nothing wrong with it because the income that I'm getting is it's a lot higher than my expenses. So yeah, the freedom is the thing that, that is uh, really good about this. Hmm. All right. I love watching you do this. I love watching you build a business. This entrepreneur ride-along thing you're doing where you're, as you're doing something, you're tweeting out about it. As you're having a failure, you're tweeting out about it. As the numbers come in, all that. It's been fun to watch you on Twitter. I'm glad to have you on here to hear your story. It's called Site GPT for anyone who wants to go and check it out. Yes. And I should thank the two sponsors. The first, if you need a book. <laughs> first, seriously, if you're trying to have great conversations, I'm going to recommend my book. It's called Stop Asking Questions about how to lead great conversations. And if you're looking to hire a developer, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Banu.